In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So now we're back to annual time. Before, uh, for the last 50 days or so, we were in the Holy 50 Days period, and before that we were in Great Lent, so the readings were all related to that season, but now we have turned back to what, what's called the Sunday readings in the uh, annual or the regular um, time of the year. And so we're the third Sunday of the month of Ba'una. And in this Sunday, it's always during the holy, uh, the holy Fast of the Apostles. And so these readings are, in a way, directed to uh, our understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Apostles. Um, and uh, life in the church. Um, we didn't hear the second in the first week because last week was Pentecost. And uh, as you know, it's basically uh, timed so that, you know, the earliest, the earliest that uh, Pentecost is prayed, um, you can still get uh, even a Sunday in Bashans. Anyway, this is, neither, uh, this is not our topic today. Um, I wanted to speak with you today specifically about judgment. It's not typical that we talk about judgment during this time of the year. Usually this topic is saved for the end of the liturgical year, around um, right before Nairuz, the Gospels around that time, last Sunday of Misr and the Sunday of the small, of the small month, deals with the end times and the coming of Christ. And generally, we talk about the judgment during then. But today, if you notice, in uh, many of the readings, had something about judgment, where the word came up in some way, shape, or form. And the letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, this was the Pauline epistle, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, 1 to 16. St. Paul, he calls himself, St. Paul judges himself. He says, I am... He says, I'm a servant, I'm a steward. There are judgments um, that we place upon ourselves, and then there's the reality, right? So he judges himself in a way that he wants to portray accurately who he is. I'll get to this point about judging ourselves in a minute. But he says later on, I don't care if I'm judged by others. I don't care even if a human court judges me. I don't even judge myself. Now I know he just said he made a judgment about himself and then here he says he doesn't judge himself. But what he's getting at here is he's not looking for what the praise of others has to say for him. He's not looking for what people are, are saying about him. You're a great apostle, you're a lousy apostle. He's not listening to it either way. He says in the end, in fact, he says, Judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will come, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and re He will reveal the counsels of the hearts, and then each one's praise will come from God, not from others. In the Catholic epistle, St. Peter's, uh, it was the second epistle of St. Peter, chapter 1, 19, all the way to chapter 2, verse 9. And he says, he speaks about, if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness. And he saved Noah. Uh, and he destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm paraphrasing. And he saved righteous Lot. 
the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And then in chapter, Acts chapter 17, they dragged the Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, and the brethren immediately sent Paul away. Um, there was judgment that was being happening, what was happening there. Uh, Paul was at risk of, of being killed, and they dragged Jason in front of the rulers to, to judge the issue. And then here we have in Matthew chapter 12, where Christ says to us, any sin and blasphemy committed against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven in the age to come, neither in this age nor the age to come. And then he says, by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Every idle word a man speaks, will, he will have to give an account of it in the day of judgment. So the reason why I want to speak about judgment today is very, is very much for, for two points. The judgment of others and the judgment of ourselves. And the judgment of others, meaning the judgment of others, of ourselves towards others, and the judgment of ourselves uh, by ourselves. So how do we judge? And I, I know that there was... Um, a, a sermon given by His Holiness Pope Shenouda, and I was looking for it, I couldn't find it. But I asked uh, some people, and they sent it to me at 1 a.m. this morning. I didn't get a chance to listen to it. But if you yourselves um, look and search into in, uh, the sermons of His Holiness Pope Shenouda, a blessed memory, you'll find uh, some sermons out there about judging, condemning, which will be much more uh, beneficial to you than what I'm about to say. However, uh, what I'll do is I'll attempt to say it in two ways. <clears throat> the judgment of others. The saints, the fathers of the church, the desert fathers, we have a lot of their writings. One of them said, we, we quickly take the burden, the heavy burden of judging others and we put that on our backs. And we dismiss the light burden of judging ourselves. To judge others, when we judge others, it's a great burden. It puts condemnation on us because our judgment, right here, Christ says, by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. If you look to another person and you say, oh, look at what that person is doing. They're doing something bad. I'm, you're going to be judged according to those words. You might not be doing that exact thing but if you're measuring them according to a standard that is impossible or you don't know the circumstances around which that person committed whatever, whatever sin, maybe there was some mental illness, maybe there was some uh, other issues that you just do not know about, but when you take the measuring standard and you're going to apply it to others, God is going to use that measuring standard against you. And you can see where idle words come into play here. The words that we speak that have no point. And then, even worse, there are words that we speak that bring condemnation on us. The gossiping, the lying, and the judging, and the speaking about others. And so, what we do with our tongue, which St. James writes about in James chapter 3, 
that with our tongue, this small little instrument or organ that we have, muscle that we have, whatever it is that we use, we, we can bring upon ourselves ultimate condemnation or we can bring upon ourselves justification. How can we bring upon ourselves justification? Through our repentance. Through using the words, our tongues, and our, even our minds, and all of this that's connected in a way that we are not using it against as a tool or a weapon against somebody else, but as a tool for our own salvation. Now there's another level to judging others. There's a good way that we can judge others. There's a beneficial way that we can judge others. If we do see somebody that is doing something wrong, we can include them within our prayers. We can include them in our prayers and we can pray that God have mercy upon them and forgive them. Like a parent might do in front of a judge. If, one of, uh, if a parent has a child that has been taken to go in front of a judge and is being sentenced for a crime that that child did in fact do, what's the parent going to say? Throw him in the slammer, lock, lock him up, throw away the key? <laughs> Never. Even if, even if the, the crime is unimaginable, a parent would say, you know, have mercy, help him. He needs help or she needs help. These are the way that we can use our words, but we can use this with those that are around us as well. There are different ways that we can help those that person repent. We don't have to talk to that person at all. It could be something I see from far away. But I can tell that I can say, God have mercy on them. Like Moses. Moses, <clears throat> one of the stories from the book of Numbers uh, is that Miriam, his sister, and Aaron started to speak against Moses. They said, who's Moses? Look, God talks to us too. We prophesy. Well, who's Moses? And it's this unimaginable, I can't imagine it, but God comes and speaks to Miriam and to, and to Aaron in the presence of Moses and says to, him, to them, when I give, when I speak to the prophets, I give them visions. I give them dreams. But when I speak to my friends, my beloved Moses, I speak to him face to face. I speak to him face to face. And with that, he struck down Miriam. I have no idea why Aaron did not get punished as bad as Miriam in this situation. But Miriam gets leprosy. And, and, and you would think Moses is like, you know, sibling rivalry, you shouldn't have said that. You know, you deserve that. You'll learn from this. God have mercy on you. But he cries out to God. And he says, my God, have mercy. Have mercy. And he intercedes. Even though she did something wrong, he intercedes on her behalf, on her part. See, the power of words, and God had mercy on her. When those friends, friends of Job, were judging him, and saying, you must have done something bad, just ask for forgiveness, you did something wrong, just pray to God. It's never been this case that God is so hard on them. At the end of the book, we find God speaking to them and saying, 
ask Job to pray on your behalf. So it's not impossible that we're being asked to pray on those who have hurt us, have, have done something wrong to us. And they say the quickest way to make your enemy your friend is to pray for them. But the bigger problem is not that we're judging others. The bigger problem, forgive me, is that we're not judging ourselves. St. Macarius said, condemn yourself before God condemns you. These are tough words. These are difficult words to, to, to kind of swallow. Condemn yourself. Examine yourself. Judge yourself. Think about this. Our idle words. And in this day and age where it is so quick to send a message to somebody or to speak, just to speak to somebody who will listen in a way that I can, I can judge, I can gossip, I can do all of these things. I can, the idle words can be multiplied as opposed to, uh, you know, I don't know, 50, 100 years ago. You could find yourself alone for most of the day, not in alone in a sense of loneliness, but you have your work, you have your family, but you don't have the extended family and the people across the world where you could send a WhatsApp message and Viber and all this other stuff. You had limited ability to speak to others. So if we just begin to examine our words, how cheap are our words? Jesus Christ is called the Word of the Father. Something that the word, the rationale. And yet with us, with our words, it's easy for us to, to say anything, to throw, throw words out in a way that's uh, hurtful or as Christ is even bringing to, to our attention, words that just have no meaning. Words that have no meaning. And this is just our words. What about our actions? What about our attitudes? Remember how I spoke to you about the way of the pilgrim and that, that famous book, The Way of the Pilgrim, and how the pilgrim himself went to confession thinking that he had examined himself all well, and he goes and he sits down and he had, what did he do? He had fasted many days before his confession. He had sat with himself many days before his confession. He wrote it down. He went and he thought he prepared himself and then he goes and he sits down and after his confession, the guy's like, you're not really confessing. And he said, well, how is this? How is this? I'm not really confessing. And the, the spiritual father, the father confessor said, well, it's obvious. You don't love God. You don't love your neighbor. And you're not very religious. And there was a fourth one, but I can't remember. He says, you don't love God. You don't love your neighbor. And you're not very religious. And he was like shocked by this. And then the spiritual father gave him some materials with which to examine himself. And then he begins to examine himself. He's like, yeah. He says, I, I don't really love God as much as I think I love God or as much as I say that I love God. I, I spend, he says, I spend 23 hours of my day. I can spend it wasting time with so many other pointless, useless conversations and people. Yet when it comes to just giving one hour to God in the day, I find myself tired. I find myself, I have so many excuses why I can't spend that one hour. Whereas I will quickly give up everything to do things that have no point and spend time where, which, in the places that really show what I love, what I really love. Right? And you can examine your day. What do you really love? 
What do you give time to? I might, I might even say, what do you worship? What do you worship? What is it that you would die for? We say God, but our actions on the day-to-day, minute-to-minute, moment-to-moment, say something else. If we examine ourselves daily, we make this a, a, a part of our day, and it's not impossible. It's more impossible if we have a cell phone physically attached to our hands at all time or in our pockets. It's impossible when we are constantly surrounding ourselves with people. It's impossible when we take upon ourselves duties and jobs and obligations, even service, even service, that doesn't allow me to sit with myself and to begin to examine how much do I love God. And we use the Bible. And we use the Bible as our tool to examine ourselves. Do I love the God, my God with all of my heart? With all of my soul? With all of my mind? With all of my spirit? And do I love God as much as Abraham? If God asked something from me, like He asked of Abraham, will I give it to Him? Do I love God as much as as Moses? Do I love God as much as St. Mary? Do I love God? said in the Synaxarian today, one of the, doesn't have many details, but one of the only details there was that St. Pafnoti loved God. And he gave up everything for the sake of God. And then do I love my neighbors? And that includes my enemies. Do I love them? Am I willing to die for them? If they are hungry, will I give them something to eat? Or will I look the other way? And that, by the way, is a good way to figure out if an enemy is really an enemy. Sometimes people come and say, I I can't stand this person. They're really my enemy. I have problems. I say, you know, be a little bit more compassionate on yourself. If they were hungry, it's a rainy day outside and they're drenched and they're coming and they need a place to to sleep. Are you going to tell them... Stay outside? No. Most of the time, we're just hurt. Most of the time, we're just hurt. But if we pray to God on their behalf, and we examine our love and our ability to love them, and our ability to love ourselves, we, st- we, we still have to get to that part. The part of examining ourselves is to shine the light of Christ on every part of our soul, so that that light can cauterize if it has to the disease and the injury and what's happening within you that needs to be fixed. But you have to go, like, like with our bodies, you have to go to the hospital or you have to go to the doctor if you want to be made better. We have to present ourselves before God, not just once a week. We have to present Him in the morning, we present ourselves, and in the evening. And if you're ever confused about what prayers to pray, in the morning, just take your Egbeya and do similar to that. Because in the morning we're praising God, thanking Him for a new day, and in the evening we're saying, Behold, I stand before the just judge. The just judge. And there's another sermon that Pope Shunuda gave on just this word, the just judge. We love to think about God as loving, compassionate, merciful. We forget that there is justice involved. Remember Psalm 100 or 101, 
where it's verse 1, I will sing of mercy and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praises. This is a beautiful psalm that we pray in the ninth hour. I will sing of mercy and I will sing of justice. And St. Augustine, in his meditation on this verse, he says, when you are overwhelmed by your sins and your shortcomings, when you are overwhelmed and feeling that there is no hope, remember and sing about the mercy of the Lord, which is renewed every day. His compassion is renewed every morning and that He is a merciful God. But when you are lazy in your spiritual life and when you are not keeping up with what you need to do, you're lazy in the fasting, lazy in the prayers, lazy in the almsgiving, lazy in service, lazy in your attitude towards God, remember His, his justice. Remember that He's a just judge and that He's a jealous God and that He will demand of you the talent He has given to you at the end and that we will stand before Him. But how can we be justified by our words? How can we be made righteous by our words? Through our repentance, through our confession, through coming to Him. Please don't be lazy in your confessions and don't allow one week, two weeks, three weeks to pass by. I tell people, you know, if you're, you know, if you're confessing quarterly, that'll be good. Right? Quarterly. Every three months. Which every three months we usually have a fast of some sorts. You know, fasting at the beginning of Great Lent, fasting, or sorry, confessing at the beginning of Lent, at the end of Lent. Confessing, you know, uh, at the beginning of the Nativity and at the end of Nativity. Right? There's, there's already four times. And then, you know, in the summer, a couple of times. But make it regular. Your, your spiritual father shouldn't have to come to you and say, where, where have you been? Right? Stay in touch with him. Make that regular in your life. And don't look at it as a duty. Look at it as an opportunity to approach the one who is the source of healing. When you come to confess, you're coming to Christ. Christ is the true physician. Christ is the one who is the forgiveness of sins. It's not the priest who says, I forgive you. And it's not even the priest who says, you are forgiven by God. But it's the priest who is there to unite you to the one who is the forgiveness of sins. Confession is not enough. We unite ourselves through the body and blood. So confession becomes that, that opening, that, that place for us to come, to enter into the church, and to be able to partake of the body and blood. Now, what I'm saying is very, very, yani relaxed. Once a quarter, I mean, we should be confessing every week. We should be confessing every week, at least before we take communion. But knowing that that's not practical, it is for you to confess and to be repentant in your, in your room, in your home, and living that life of repentance through examining yourself day to day. And don't, when we say, don't let the sun go down on your anger, that means make good with everybody in that day. If you are angry with somebody, you say, I am angry with you. And, uh, and you talk to them about that in order to work out that anger, not to upset them so that they go to sleep not knowing what they did. But we, we, we work this out before we sleep, and in this way we're living that Christian life. Examine yourself and condemn yourself, not in a way that you're saying that there's no hope, but, but give the ruling that you have to give for yourself in order to repent, to turn to God. The words that our Savior said about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not allowing the Holy Spirit to work within you. 
to reject these words. How do we reject these words? He's not talking to me. He's talking to the guy next to me. He's not talking uh, about my life. He doesn't know me. He's talking about somebody else. Or when we see the work of God, I mean, the, the real problem for the Jews here were that they saw him casting out a demon and a blind and mute person could now see and speak. All three of those things happening and they're saying, this is not the work of God, but this is the work of Satan. And this was the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That the work of God, they were attributing it to the work of Satan. And also, the work of Satan, sorry, the work of the Holy Spirit within us, encouraging us to pray, encouraging us to repent, encouraging us to fast, encouraging us to go to church. Except we have a million excuses. A million. If you sit, if I say, you should come early today, you'll say all your excuses, which is fine. It's just fine. I'm not, I'm not going to say your excuse is bad or good. It's a good excuse. But at the, at the heart of it, when you didn't have that excuse, were you here early? Was that part of your life? Right? When you didn't have that issue that you dealt with this morning? Right? What, do we, what do we want to do? If, we could, if everything could be perfect, where are we at? That's when we have to kind of shed all those excuses and say to God, what, what is the reason why I didn't pray? If I didn't I didn't have a thousand things to do. Why did I not open my Bible? Why did I not read? Why am I not fasting? All of, these, all of these things have to be in our mind. And there's going to come a point when you're really going to have an excuse. Right? So I tell the kids that are younger, fast. Fast now. Because there's going to come a point in time where you can't. It's going to be taken away from you. And you're going to say, I wish I could fast. So in the time that you can fast, fast. In the time that you can wake up in the middle of the night and pray, pray. Most of us now, we wake up in the middle of the night, against our will, we have something, a kid sneezes, uh, a kid throws up, whatever happens, there's something that could happen in the middle of the night, and you're up, so pray. Use that, use that as a good excuse to pray. What I'm trying to get at is examine yourself. Let's shed the excuses, let's get rid of the excuses, and let's examine ourselves and say at the heart of it, what is my problem, what is my issue, what is holding me back? What is not allowing me to step forward in my spiritual life? Let's use this period of time during great, during this fast, a fast which, you know, all, all I ask you, I'm not going to say you have to fast every day. But I'm going to say the church is giving this to you as a gift. I'm not saying don't fast, right? I'm saying fast. But I'm, and I know everybody has their own spiritual rule with their spiritual father. I know that you've spoken with your spiritual father about this. But at the very least, pray for me, right? This is the Apostles' Fast. Pray for me. Maybe skip a meal. Help Abuna. He needs help with the service. Uh, take a day for His Holiness Pope Tuedros. He's dealing with a thousand things. It's okay to... I mean, this is about the service, right? The Apostles' Fast about the service. Take a day to fast for Abuna. Take a day to fast for the Metropolitans. We have four bishops now, or three bishops and a Metropolitan. Take a day for His Holiness. Take a day for this church. Take a day for this diocese. I mean, there's lots of things for us to fast about if we just open up our eyes and say, you know what, let me fast for these people and, for, and, and, and fast as, as best as possible that God may have mercy on them, have mercy on the church, help the church through these uh, difficult times, help our own parish during these times, uh, and have mercy on the service, so that the, the service is not about what we do internally, but about also the gospel 
leaving the walls of this church and being carried into our neighborhoods and into those places around us that need to have that good news which God has given to us through Jesus Christ, which has yet to be shared with those who are even around us living in our own neighborhoods. So take this fast period, or take this fasting period seriously. Take these words of examining yourself and of judgment seriously. And take some time during this, this fast to examine yourself and to sit with your spiritual father and to reorient yourselves towards living that life which every moment of every day gives glory to God. Every moment of every day the light of Christ shines in you uh, with those who are around you. May God be glorified now and ever in the age of all ages. Amen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.